I want the public to come in here. This is my treat to Portland uh, by saying thank you, Portland, by having this museum of movie history tied into a video store. Mm-hmm. And this gives customers a chance to come in, get their favorite movie, and also be right next to something from that fav- favorite movie of theirs happens to be in my store. This is pdxpodcast.com. That was Mike Clark. He's the founder of Movie Madness. Mike is going to be featured in an upcoming feature film documentary by James Westby. Movie Madness is the largest independent video store in the entire world. It also serves a dual purpose as a museum of film and cinema memorabilia. And today I'm going to introduce a new segment called Five Minutes of Weird, in which I speak to three Portland creatives. My name is Gregory Day. You're listening to the weekly Portland podcast at pdxpodcast.com. Also, northwestpodcast.com. I host the show with Dan Rosen. We're two Brits doing a show about Portland. And yes, we realize the irony of that last statement. Let's get back to Mike. Mike is very enthusiastic talking about movies. What we talked about first was, well... The genesis of Movie Madness. Well, it actually all came about uh, years ago. I used to work in the film industry. I spent uh, over 20 years of my life in one career as a film editor and eventually becoming a post-production coordinator for Warner Brothers and Metro-Goldwyn-Amir and also Paramount Studios. And I worked at various different studios going back and forth besides just those three. And I worked on a ton of different movies. I got the experience of saying to myself one time when video started coming out, and there was like three different video stores I had to go to to get what I wanted, to rent what I wanted. And I said, wouldn't it be great to have a store one day that has everything underneath one roof? And that's basically where Movie Madness was born. It was in the back of my mind at the time. And I said, I've got to do this. And so I took a uh, leave of absence from the studios in 1990, moved back up to Portland. I'm originally from here. And I opened up the video store with 2,000 titles, and that was in 1991, April 12, 1991. And it was just a small little... In the present location, just a small little store of 800 square feet. Well, eventually down the road in about 1994, I went to a, uh, I was in Las Vegas with my lady friend at the time, and we visited, uh, we were actually staying at Caesars Palace, and downstairs in the in the, uh, the, the main floor downstairs, uh, there were all these little shops and everything. There was a little place called Antique International, and they specialized in having original, authentic movies, uh, props, and costumes. Not a whole lot, but some. And they had some Godfather II uh, outfits, uh, one that was worn by Diane Keaton that I was very turned on to that I said, you know, I, I would love to have that in my store. So basically I ended up buying it. And pretty soon I got a phone call from them that they had another piece come in from Godfather 2, which was Towie Shire's dress from the movie. And I bought that, and pretty soon my collection just started growing. And at first I was buying directly from, like, from 20th Century Fox or from MGM or from their warehouses or from um, uh, private owners. 
and with the authenticity and everything else to go with it. But then eventually I started doing the auctions, and I started doing that in 98. And I got some really incredible uh, items in my store, uh, including the blue velvet ear that came from those auctions. More from Mike in a moment. Now we're going to jump into our new segments, Five Minutes of Weird. What we're going to do is talk to three Portlanders in quick succession. First up on the roster, Ray McMillan. A little bit about Ray. He had a long, long stint as a DJ in Portland, primarily at strip clubs. His transition to a career in comedy. I asked him about that transition. Now, this was part of a very long interview we had. A lot of it is not appropriate for radio. So I may have to do a follow-up interview with a guy that's a bit more family-friendly. Anyhow, let's hear the full story from Ray himself. You can do comedy in Portland, but it doesn't uh, it doesn't have money. They don't believe in money. Uh, it's, it's exclusively an economy run by red drink tickets. And uh, I tried using like 50 of those to pay my rent. It didn't work. You were right at the yeah. top of the game. You're yep. making decent money. You're working in a great club surrounded by, I mean, scantily clad yeah. women. Do you miss that? Or or did you just get to a point where you needed to move on? You know, there's only so far you can go in that industry. Yeah, I've heard that before. And the, the thing about Portland is you have two very distinct clubs. You have cool clubs and you have clubs that make money. So the clubs with the fire dancers, the feminists, the rock music, the cool-ass manager, 60 to 80 bucks a night to 120 150 a night. Yeah. If I want to make money money in that industry, yeah. eventually, just like with entertainment, eventually I'm going to have to go work for some fat prick named Charles in the middle of Texas, and he's going to be vulgar, misogynistic, and I'll make 400 bucks a night there. Yeah. So you get it's kind of like if someone said, hey, I like your podcast, but we really need you to talk about you know tapioca pudding and, you know... Yeah whatever you weren't interested in same shit and you can't really go to a, I can't go to a job like this can't walk into Starbucks and be like oh I learned all of these skills by uh, you know um, pulling tampons out of Hello Kitty tattoos so was it, was it about ambition or just wanting to move on and do something different a little bit of both I think that um, stripping is a thing you need the whole like a strip club DJ in the eyes of an employer is a stripper you become part of that scene the strippers that I've seen make it big. They go on to write. They go on to parlay that career into something else. Thank you, Ray. Now we're going to speak to Storm of Sign of the Beast Burlesque. It's a very unique troupe in the fact that they dance to metal music. Here's Storm with a bit of the history of the burlesque scene here in Portland. Well, tell us about the history of burlesque in Portland. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know all of it, but I can tell you... Um, there's a place in downtown Portland called Star Theater, and it has been absolutely beautifully renovated, and it has a very long burlesque history. Um, it was, I believe, one of the original burlesque halls in Portland, and uh, there's a very famous woman who is now in her 90s. She goes by Tempest Storm, and uh, if you look back in Portland history, you'll see a lot of newspaper articles about like burlesque wars and like arguments that she had with with other burlesque dancers but that was like her home base and um, in fact if you go in star theater 
the owner is, he really loves history, and he's taken all of those newspaper articles and magazine articles and, and framed them. Um, and you can kind of read about the burlesque history in Portland. And according to Wikipedia, in the 50s, Tempest breasts were insured by Lloyds of London for $1 million. You learn something new every day here, folks. I have a new record that's coming out, and it's Dark dark Rave is what I'm calling it. That's Paul Atreides of the metal band Usnia talking about his new side project. We're going to close a segment with an excerpt of one of his recordings. It's like Italian disco, and I have done another record before uh, under this moniker called uh, Banishing, and it's basically a black metal record that I made on my computer with a guitar and in true black metal fashion was in my basement, you know, screaming into a microphone. And the record that I'm putting out now is uh, almost a complete 180, like, this is now pop music. And there you have it. Five minutes of weird. Was that as good for you as it was for me? I don't know about you, but I think I need a cigarette. Okay, back to Mike. Dan Rosen and I continue our interview. So what pieces of memorabilia are you most proud of? The one item I'm most proud of, and I'll never forget it the day I got it, and it was on the front cover of the Profiles of History auction, is Faye Dunaway's uh, waitress outfit that she wore in Bonnie and Clyde. Mm -hmm. And it's a very rare piece because, I don't know, have you, either of you gentlemen seen the motion picture Bonnie and Clyde with Warren Beatty and yeah. Faye Dunaway. Yeah. If you remember, that was the scene where Faye Dunaway's looking out the window and she sees Clyde Barrel going to steal her mother's car. She makes, she says something to him. And he looks up at her and, and of course she's supposed to be without any clothes on and she tells him to wait right there and she throws this dress on. Well, the dress is transparent and if you really look close, you can almost see, you know, you can see through it because the lighting of where she's coming down the stairs and she's wearing that dress, you're looking right through it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a little bit before its time. Mm-hmm. And uh, the woman that designed the costumes for Bonnie and Clyde, Theodore, Theodora Van Runco, uh, she just passed away here just a couple of years ago, but she was the costume designer for Bonnie and Clyde. She got an Oscar nomination for that movie. She had never done any costume designs before. And uh, she had experience at it and drawings and whatnot. And she put together some drawings when she heard about the movie was being made. She said that's her specialty was period pieces. So she put together all these drawings and she somehow got them over to Warren Beatty. And when Warren Beatty said, saw him, he said, I'm sold. I've got to have this. So having that Bonnie and Clyde dress in my store that Faye Dunaway wore is is just takes me all the way back to 2000 when I bought it. Yeah, I mean, this you have so much memorabilia here on display. Is there stuff in storage as well that you just don't have room yeah, for? Yeah, I've got um, I've got a lot of stuff in storage. Uh, for example, that hat up above, right there, it will be going out. That's Tony Randall's hat that he wore in the the motion picture, The Seven Faces of Doctor Law, where he played an Asian. Uh, the Wishmaster up above, that's a mechanical skeleton that comes alive in the movie Wishmaster, which was produced by uh, Wes Craven. Let's talk about the fantastic collection of DVDs you have here, because, you know, 
once upon a time, there were lots of stores, obviously, where you could go out and rent DVDs. And the most amazing thing about this store is that you can get DVDs, not only still rent them, but the ones that you cannot get digitally online. I mean, most people think that there's no need for a DVD store anymore, but obviously there is because right. you can't get all of this stuff no, digitally and, and you yeah. never will be. So no. um, talk about that for a sec. T- okay. Tell us about that. Well, first of all, when I, I had one goal in mind when I first opened up the store. Before I even knew I was going to put the costumes and the props and would have them in here one day, my goal was to have the largest comprehensive collection of video at the time, because it was only video at the time, ever. And I continue, every time video would get, every time something would get released on video, I would get it right away. And, um, and then when Laserdisc was a big, uh, uh, big thing back in the 80s, and when that became popular, or started to become popular, I had a whole collection of Laserdiscs. And the Godfather we whole, came on a few discs, right? Huh? Like the Godfather series. Oh, yeah, we had all Turn it stuff. over. <laughs> yeah, we had all of that stuff. We had double features on their Laserdiscs. We had all that stuff. And then when DVD first started coming out, started making its way into the public's hands. And that was in about 97, 98. I knew right away that that was going to be the next thing. So I started bringing some of them into the store, and they just started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Then they started doing the Criterion DVD. So my collection has, you know, obviously has grown many times over. And now, uh, not just DVD, but we also have Blu-ray, and we have the Criterion Blu-rays, and we have everything that you can possibly want to see that you cannot see streaming is right here at Movie Madness. And uh, like I said, I have the most comprehensive collection right now ever. Uh, there's only a couple stores in the United States that can match me. And that's it. So did you end up buying the stock of uh, stores that were closing down? Is that a way of uh, acquiring your collection? I, I did in the beginning. And that was a big thing in the beginning. When I first came in here, there was over 50 video stores within a five-mile radius of me. Now Videorama has just closed, I think. Yeah, Videorama has closed. The only store that's near me that's uh, probably about four miles away from me is more of a mom-and-pop store, but it's a little independent store, is uh, Clinton Street Video. And Chris, who's a really nice guy, he used to rent at my store uh, years ago, and uh, he opened up his own store, and he kind of built a a miniature size of Movie Madness, which is kind of a a nice compliment to me. So, so, but besides Chris and myself, we're about the only two video stores left. It's so Portland, you know, just we're doing our own thing. We've got uh, down the streets, Music Millennium. Right. It's like, we're just like sticking with it. We're sticking with it, aren't we? Well, we got to stick with it because, you know, this library was to go bye-bye. You'll never see anything like it again and the neat thing is that all those vhs titles that i have in the store right now there's about maybe about eight to nine thousand titles on vhs that have never been released yet to dvd or blu-ray and they're in my store so every time you see a vhs title in my store you know that that's the only way you're going to be able to see it so you you must have an amazing um Soft, you must have amazing software to, to keep track of all of this stuff. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> because that must be quite a, well, an ordeal. Well, first of all, our, our website 
www.moviemadnessvideo.com. That's our website. You go to that, and you'll see a search engine. And when you go on that search engine, you could search by title. You could search by director. You could search by actor. Uh, You can even do genre. You know, like if you want to look up all the horror films that we have. It's a curated experience you've created here. It's a curated experience you've created here. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, uh, you know, when we put this website together, we spent a lot of time doing it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and my goal was to have, uh, eventually have a couple kiosks in my store where people could come in, look up a title, or look up what they're looking for, Mm -hmm. and... They know where it's at because it will tell you. We go by, when I put the uh, the sections together, we go by director first. If the director has an area in our store, it goes into their area. Uh, well, we'll start with Academy Award. If it's Academy Award winning film, we have an area for all the best pictures, uh, whether it be in regular film, art films, or the regular Academy Awards and also Academy Award winning films for foreign films as well. All the best pictures are there. And then from there, if uh, let's say it's just a director only, the director will have their section. And if it's not a director and it's like, let's say Tom Hanks stars in it, then it would be in his section. And if, uh, if the director and the actor doesn't have a section, then it would be under miscellaneous. So yeah, then you go, yeah. that's how you find things here. I just love the tactile experience yeah. of a video store, walking around, and oh, looking absolutely. at the bars. That's the, that's the beauty of this place, is when I started, when I put those costumes and props in here, I knew where I was going with it, because by 1999, I had, oh, I think I had over 30 or 40 costumes at that time. I now have over 100 in this uh, store, and... Uh, and I knew at that time, I said, this is going to be great because I want to bring the public into here. I want the public to come in here. This is my treat to Portland uh, by saying thank you, Portland, by having this museum of movie history tied into a video store. Mm-hmm. And this gives the customers a chance to come in, get their favorite movie, and also be right next to something from that favorite movie of theirs happens to be in my store on display. And you get people who are not necessarily renting DVDs you just come and look at the just old memorabilia come in and look. yeah I have a lot of people that uh, bring their friends uh, we've had a lot of actors that come in here over and directors the years. too huh and directors too yeah directors too I had Alex Cox here I had Bruce Campbell here recently uh, well Bruce was about 10 years ago but recently I just did the Linda Blair event and we had Linda here uh, for the Exorcist mm-hmm. and that was uh, last weekend. And that was cool. That was here again. Cool. Wow. Uh-huh. What's that? She was here again. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, she's been at my store. This was the fourth time. And I've worked, her and I, we both share the thing, the exorcist together because I worked very briefly on it. I took the place of one of the editors that uh, was called away for a family emergency. And I had to, I had to climb aboard for about two weeks on that movie. And it was very, Intensified. It was. It was. A, it was an experience. Are there any other museums like yours, as far uh, as co- or collections? Store? No. Unlike, uh, unlike my, uh, this video store has been voted the number one video store by the uh, the board of directors from the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce, and that was back in uh, 1999. Hmm. It was voted by the video distribution. 
Uh, we used to have this, um, every year we had a big, huge convention called the BSDA convention. And it was a video distributor convention. And they awarded my store, and I was awarded the uh, the the award that they awarded me was from Robert Altman because uh, they had this big, huge award banquet uh, one night, and this was in 1998, and they awarded my store as the best video store. There was a local director who directed a movie about video stores. Yes. Um, what's his name? You're talking about James Westby. I'm about James Westby. Yeah. I'd like to talk yeah. about James Westby really quick because he, he filmed a documentary about video stores. Was mm-hmm. it, a, it was a documentary, correct? Yeah. Okay. He hasn't released it yet. He, uh, he came to my store, and we, we spent many times together going over. You know, He had more stuff that he wanted to shoot, and my doors are always open to Jim. He's a very good guy, and he's a great director on top of it. And we had one of the t- experiences I had was having Todd Haynes come in who directed, you know, Far From Heaven and, uh, uh, oh, God, Carol just came out with Carol, and he's got a new one that's coming out with Julianne Moore. He loves working with her. And anyway, so Todd came in for an interview uh, with James uh, Westby, and they interviewed right in front of Todd's section in Independent Filmmakers. Mm-hmm. So it was really kind of cool. Right next mm-hmm. to where the food dog is, uh, Todd was sitting there, and Jim was... Uh, interviewing him for this uh, upcoming documentary that uh, he's been putting a lot of time into. It's amazing. I've seen some of the footage from it. It's Uh amazing, and I can't wait till he finishes it and uh, gets it released. Yeah, yeah. So is he interviewing video store owners from all over the country? Yes, he's gone all over the place. He uh, interviewed several video store owners who are now no longer uh, with their store anymore because they closed up uh, here in Portland, including um, the guy that owned, uh, that had the video store out in Selwood. Uh, he's now gone, and he interviewed him, and he also I- interviewed, um, there was another store over on Mississippi Avenue that he had. By the way, do you have any of the old Portland wrestling videos? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. we got a whole slew of them over there, and we also are sponsoring the newest um, Portland wrestling um, uh, marathon or whatever it is that's going on. I think it goes on next month. It's it's They have uh, uh, one of the brochures is down there by the door. That tells about when it's going to be. When you big into that, the Portland wrestling scene. I remember going way back when I was a kid. This is back in the fifties. We had um, at the old Armory Building, which is now a theater. Uh, at the Armory Building, they used to have wrestling, and it was like they had the mask marble. They had this guy that was a huge guy that had a mask on that looked like he was out. And, and we're not talking about like a Zorro mask. We're talking about a big, huge skeleton mask. And he was kind of really scary. And he used to pick up guys. One time he picked up the referee and he threw him out of the uh, ring. Do you have a local section? Do you have a section that features Portland like Portland in, in, in movies? Yes. Yeah. Uh, we, have a, uh, we have an area where it's uh, Portland amateur and professional filmmakers who have made films mm-hmm. here in uh, Portland that would like to have the public see their movies. So we screen them and we put them out and they're free to our our uh they're they're actually free. Well, if you're paying they're okay, let me start over again. Okay. They're they're free to the average person that comes in here and rents. They have to rent a movie before they can take one of those home for free. That's the way it works. Otherwise, they got to pay for it. You know, they're yeah. just getting it. 
but uh, we do have them on display here. Yeah. So. Is, is your bread and butter basically the new releases, or do you, do you find that you're make people are renting the more obscure stuff over the stuff that's coming out on a uh, weekly basis? Or that's a good question because it used to be um, back in the, and I'll say back in the days when everything was not so threatening now, like with the streaming and the Netflix and all that stuff. The streaming is what's really hurting the film industry or the uh, video industry right now. And uh, it's not causing me to say, hey, I'm going out of business or anything, but it's... Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Well, I really but am. I, but it has, it, has, it has put a damper on our, our finances because of it. And uh, we used to have... Uh, we used to do these nights that were just like huge, long lines all the way down to the psychotronic area right here in the back long lines we're talking friday and saturday nights you know we still get lines but they're not like they used to be mm -hmm. and uh you know back to your question about the obscure titles back in those days when before the streaming before the the, the, the your average film person today uh there's still a lot of good people out there that love just film love it and that's what i created here was mm -hmm. a store for people that love film mm -hmm. But now you're, you're, a lot of your people, it's like everything has changed. And the, the, you, the customers that we used to have come in here all the time are that have either moved away or some of them are looking at movies differently. They're looking at it more as a convenience. So let's just stream it. Well, I don't want to go to a video store. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And they're missing the opportunity because at this video store, I have every title that they can possibly imagine. And when you're streaming, you're looking through and saying, oh, what am I going to watch tonight? Oh, yeah, I've seen this before. Oh, what the hell? I'll just watch that. And it's like you're selling out to the uh, the media, you know. And this brings in your staff, who are obviously very knowledgeable, and they can make recommendations. You're not going to ever have that personal experience online. Right, and you won't. You won't have that experience online because what makes it really neat about coming down here, it's like it's like having a holiday. Coming down here, you're enjoying yourself, hanging out with your friends, or you got your cup of coffee and you're strolling around and you're seeing all the different movies and you're figuring out what you're going to watch tonight. Mm -hmm. Then you figure it all out. Ah, oh, wow. And you're, you might even take a little notepad and say, you know what, I'm not going to get these four tonight, but you write them down and you're going to come back and get them later. And it's like know? choosing a fine wine. Like if, if you bring up a, a good movie yeah, and, you know, it's like, good choice, sir. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you get that experience at a video store and it's happened, you know, I grew up renting movies from videos and we talk about them as I'm checking right. out. Right. Sometimes not, but yeah, people, uh, that's a that's a possibility. People can remember the first time they went into the first video store. I mean, I remember when oh, VH yes. VHS started, and I had to go to we we had a little electric uh, electric place, you know, place that just um, fixed electric stuff, and they had a <laughs> tiny little section of of uh, videos, yes. and that was the first wow. videos I ever saw for rent. It was incredible. Richard Dreyfuss in here one day when he was filming a, a movie called uh, Mr. Holland's Opus yeah. over, they were filming at Grant High School and he was brought in uh, by one of my customers and who was doing a feature on him, doing an article on him, an interview 
and they were looking for a movie. And uh, she went around looking for it, and I was behind the counter. I was running my counter back in those days. This is 1993, I think it was. And I I could see that he was a little, you know, kind of like out in the middle of my store. People were coming in and out, and it was on a, a, thir- a late Thursday evening, and uh, I asked him, I said, uh, excuse me, Richard? And he says, he looked at me and he says, yeah. I said, hey, you want to come back here and sit? And he said, could I? I'll never forget him saying that. Could I? His eyes got real big. I said, yeah, come on back here. Because I could tell that he was bothered by, you know, hoping that nobody was going to recognize him. He'd be stuck there signing autographs forever. Yeah. But anyway, he, he was there for about 15, 20 minutes, and we talked for a little bit. And he was telling me that he really liked Portland and and he said, yeah, the other day I went up to the falls. Uh, a group of us went to Multnomah Falls, and we had a great time. And he was talking about certain things like that. But he was like the first major celebrity that ever came into my store. And then I had Faye Dunaway come in one day with a lady friend. And this is long before I got the Bonnie and Clyde dress. And that was also just about that, uh, a little, uh, maybe about 93, about maybe a couple months later. And it was in the summer, and she came in with this lady friend. I didn't even know it was her. Uh, her friend was signing up to rent these two movies that they wanted to see. They were on VHS, and I asked, uh, I looked at her, and I says, "Excuse me," I said, "Are you Faye Dunaway?" <laughs> and she was wearing dark sunglasses, and she took her glasses off for just a moment and she said yes I am and then she put them back up I said oh okay I didn't want to say anything more because there were people in the store but I I just told her I said this is a pleasure meeting I'm a big fan of yours and she thanked me and and they left and she was filming a movie called The Temp up here in Portland Mm -hmm. with Timothy Hutton and they were filming right down the street on Belmont and then we had um uh, Morgan I'm not Freeman. aware of that film, actually. Huh? I, I'm not aware of that film, The Temp. Yeah, The Temp. It was a suspense thrower. Came out in, I think it was 93. They were both huge stars. Huh? I mean, they were both huge stars, at the, yeah. especially at that time in the 90s. Yeah. You know, to this day, I've never seen the movie. Huh. Yeah, but it's called The Temp, and I have it here. It'll be under, probably under... When was this, 90s? Yeah, 93. Wow. 93. I think it got released in 93. So this could have been 92 when I saw her, or 93, but we're talking about over 20 years ago. But I also have had uh, Alex Cox, the director of Repo Man, has been in my store. He signed. Lloyd Kaufman's been here. Uh, We've had uh, Piper Laurie here. Uh, We had... Rodney Piper. Rodney Piper? Piper Laurie. Rodney Piper's been in my store. Well, he came in, and we were thinking about doing something with him in it. We were going to do They Live. We were going to do They Live. Oh, man. The John Carpenter film, and we're going to try to get John Carpenter up here. That film is still huge. Yeah, I know it. We were going to do both of them, and we were aiming to ha- do it, and we were actually in talking about doing it this year. Oh, and man. and then he died. You know, last year he passed yeah, away. Yeah. So that was a that was a that was a mind blower to me. But we also I never did meet him. I only talked to him on the phone. When I say Piper, I meant Piper Laurie. She was the one that played the uh, love interest to Paul Newman in The Hustler. Mm-hmm. She also played the mother, the evil mother in Carrie. And she was here. Yeah, we did a big huge event with that and I had three I had Piper Laurie, I had PJ Souls and Nancy Allen were all here. Nancy Allen starred in Robocop. Robert Benton was up the street, uh just about maybe about 
half a mile from here, just up the street on Belmont, right off of Belmont. And they were filming Feast of Love with uh, Morgan Freeman, Jane Alexander, and um, was this? Greg Kinnear. This was about, maybe about five years ago. Okay. But anyway, they were, they were filming this movie mm-hmm. called Feast of Love, and Robert Benton wrote it along with directing it. And when I got up there to meet him, I went up there to meet him, and uh, I told him, I said, I remember that you had written the screenplay. You were one of the writers on Bonnie and Clyde. And he said, I was. And I said, I just want you to know that the dress that Faye Dunaway wore in the film, the waitress out, before I could say even more, he said, you you own it? And I said, yeah. I said, I have it in my store. It's a video store, but it has a museum of movie history. I would love to have you come down and, and see my store sometime. And he said, I would love that. So I gave him a business card with you know my store address on it and everything else. And I also put my cell number on the back. I said, if you want to ever give me a call, I'll give you a tour of my store. And he said, okay, thanks. I never thought I'd ever hear from him. You know, a couple weeks passed by, pretty soon th- three weeks passed by. And one day I was coming out of my office and I was just heading, I was getting ready to head home. It was about four in the afternoon. And I see these three people going through all my stuff and they're just like uh, seeing all the different displays and everything else. And I looked and I said, God, that looks like that Robert Benton. And I got a little closer. I can hear him talking and I knew right away it was him. And I said, excuse me, Mr. Benton. And he turns around and he says, yes. And I said, you remember me? I'm Mike Clark. I'm the owner. I give you my business. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Shook my hand. He said, I got to tell you, he said, this is an amazing store. <laughs> he said, I've never seen anything like this. I said, but you got the dress that was... Faye was wearing a Bonnie and Clyde. How cool was that? I said, yeah. I said, I'm, I'm really impressed. I'm very impressed. So I was very impressed having him in my store. Nice guy. Nice guy. I wish I could have got some of the cast members through. But I don't know. Maybe they did come through at another time. <laughs> do, you, do you ever do guided tours? Well, all the time. Yeah. All the time. All you got to do is pick up the phone, call the store. If I happen to be here, they'll connect you to my office, and I'll set up a tour, and I'll, I, I'm more than happy to do it. I give a whole history. Uh, I have my long tour and I have my short tour. Mm-hmm. If you want the long tour, it's about an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And I, I explain everything as we go through. I tell, tell people where I bought the costume mm-hmm. from, you know, and how, what, why I wanted that, you know. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of men here that people say, what was the reason why you bought that one or that mm-hmm. one? And I tell them. I say, you know, I wanted to add to the collection. Because I think it's really cool. Sounds fascinating. Yeah, I'm sign I, up for this when thing. you have, I have five outfits in my store right now that were designed by Edith Head. Could you imagine you, yourself doing anything else than running a video store? <laughs> That's it. I can imagine only one other thing is retiring <laughs> and not completely getting out of the business. I still want to do. Uh, I still want to do specials, you know, like bringing actors and directors up here to Portland oh, and right. running their movies and doing a Q&A like we did with Linda Blair. We're doing William Freakin. We're, we're, we're going to have William Freakin, who directed The French Connection. He also did a movie called Sorcerer. So d- have you got anybody to pass your store on to if you decide to retire? Have you got plans? I, Question right there. I, I do have plans, but I don't want to go into detail okay. on it right now at okay. this time. But I do have something up my sleeve. I'm a little sneaky. I just want to make sure that this place <laughs> no, isn't this closed. Place will stay open as long as people continue to patronize it. Right. I can't run it unless the public continues to come in. 
And they don't have to come in every every day. Just you know, like at least once a week would be nice. Well, it's, it is amazing uh, that you that, that it's it's really easy to f- not find movies that you want to watch streaming. Right. Right. It's it's oh. so. How many times do you look for a movie and you just can't find it? I mean, for instance, you know, Woody Allen has virtually no movies streaming, right? And you can get them all here. Right, you get every Woody Allen film ever made, including all the ones that he acted in, right. on top of that he didn't direct, like mm-hmm. The Front, mm-hmm. for example, or mm-hmm. everything you want to know about sex. Mm-hmm. You can get all that stuff mm-hmm. here, you know, and and the list goes on and on. I remember the other day. Uh, what was it, a few days ago, lady comes in and she saw my Godfather display, you know, mm-hmm. the Godfather 2, and she said, God, she said, I, she said, I'm I'm renting the Godfather, she said, I'm going to rent both of them. And I, she said, usually I stream, and she said, when I went on streaming, they don't have either one of them. They were there a few months ago, but now they're not there, and I said, that's what happens. They have a license mm-hmm. with the studios, and they're only allowed to run it so long, mm-hmm. and then after that, they their license expires and they replace it with something else. So you're constantly yeah. going to see movies that once was there are no longer there. And that's why she said, well, before I could even finish saying anything, she said, that's why I'm coming here yeah. from now on. Yeah. And then she was serious. Yeah. She said she got fed up on the streaming thing. It's good to have, have good film people that love movies, love mm-hmm. film, love directors, love actors. Mm-hmm. Here in my store that are conducting this interview with me you guys are amazing yeah well it's a pleasure this is pdxpodcast.com